Wayside Gardens is proud to support Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Visit waysidegardens.com to see the most unusual, useful and beautiful plants for your garden. It's cold. I mean, it's Ken Drew's and you're listening to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the garden podcast. And I'm joined, as always, by Vicki Johnson. Vicki, there's something in my throat and it doesn't sound like a frog. It sounds like a cotton ball. Well, we're two popsicles here. (laughs) And I think that 20 degrees is so cold, but it wasn't too long ago and it was only like minus eight and we used to walk five miles to school. Well, it was eight degrees on my thermometer this morning. I'm not really? sure it's 20 already. Is yeah, it? it was 22, I looked. Oh, well, what are we complaining about then? It's a veritable heat wave. Right. And it's sunny and it's beautiful. And I was thinking about the cold because I was thinking about the things cold does for the garden and how things look in the winter. And I don't, I can't believe that this has happened to me. But here it is, just about the end of January. And I, I was thinking just... Mm, Thursday that I would never garden again. And here it is, Saturday, and I'm thinking, ooh, can I, is it too early to prune? <laughs> and yes, Ken, it's a little too early to prune. You can clean some things up if you need to, but it's a little too early to prune most things. I usually prune the woody things in March and on the you then mean too. like the cornice and willows and things like that? And trees, most of the trees. And major pruning. Um, the, the trees that I don't prune are ones that tend to push water sprouts, like the Magnolia solangiana. When I cut back the Magnolia solangiana, the saucer magnolia, it sends up water sprouts, like whips, straight. Sometimes they grow six, seven feet in one season. These straight whips, which are not good for anything. They just make the tree all congested and and like a kind of like a spider web of twigs. So that one I prune in the summer when it's an active growth if you can imagine such a thing. But that's what I do. I was I there's a tree out by the driveway and maybe you noticed it looks dead. <laughs> yeah. It's weeping and it look and it's brown. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that's supposed to be a beautiful bronzy purple color. But every winter it looks completely dead and it's hard to believe it's a juniper. It's juniperus rigida pendula. It's wow. a weeping juniper and every year I think, oh my god, it's dead. Yeah, really? It and does then look every dead. spring, it, well, it's not very attractive looking dead. <laughs> there's winter color and there's winter color. And uh but anyway, we're we're supposed to appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to Oh, brown is a color too, right, Vicky? Yes, brown is a beautiful color. So we're going to talk a little bit about cold today, and I don't mean having a cold, although I don't know what this throat stuff is. And uh, I, I I shouldn't prune, and uh, we're going to do a couple of stories from the book, from the next book, because we want to continue doing that since it's been so popular. And we're going to have a newsletter, too, that relates to that, I think, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm we're all set. over here. It's we're hard to set. think. <laughs> well, I could say, I said you could put the blanket on top of you or you could sit on it. Oh, I know. I chose to sit on it, but that doesn't help out my feet, does it? No. Oh, well. Well, that's why I put it there. This There's is, more. That's okay. It's cold. I should have just brought my thick furry slippers to put on. <laughs> does, that, does that work? 
As the blood well, cools only if by the feet are feet. warm to begin with. If you put cold, in my experience, if you put cold feet into thick wool socks or thick furry slippers, it keeps them cold. It, well, it doesn't warm them up as fast as you need them <laughs> to do. Anyway, I have to warm hmm. my feet up and then put them in thick furry slippers. Well, you need some of those solar heated slippers. You know, they're, <laughs> they're extra green. Or you know, we could have compost heated slippers. What? So you could have like this little packet of decomposing material. Oh, can. Well, you're too funny. I, it's a thought, just a thought. That's a all. silly thought. I'm sorry. That's the silliest thought you've had yet. Put compost in your slippers. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I mean, maybe I better not go there. No, don't go there. Uh, okay, a couple of stories. Some free st- oh, you know what I wanted to talk about a little bit too? I, I'm talking about the brown color of that juniper, but uh, let's talk about some things that look nice now. <laughs> That have color, like the the Salix Alba twig willows and the twig dogwoods. Oh, yes, they're beautiful. Well, even the the one that's not touted as uh, being, you know, beautiful for winter twig color. Oh, it's the one with the Japanese name that I normally remember. I'm proud of myself. It has the variegated leaves, dappled leaves. Oh, oh, oh. Um, it's Hakura Nishiki, but it's Salix Integra Hakura. Yeah, that has red stems. It's very beautiful in the garden. And, uh... And I I didn't prune it last year because it's a young plant. I was enjoying letting it get big this year and thought, oh, I can wait and prune it out next month. So it has a wonderful color without being, you know, new growth on it. Just FYI. Well, and there's the coral bark maple, the Japanese maples with red twigs, and that's a small Japanese maple. Well, the Acer grissium is gorgeous. Yeah. The peeling bark on it is gorgeous in the sun. I guess we just have to open our eyes. Well, and there's a time that I brought into the garden. You mean like 3 o'clock? spring. The herb, you know, time. Mm T-H-Y-M-E. And it's... Not one of the teeny, teeny, tiny times. Times. <laughs> it's you know, it's what two and a half inches, three inches tall, I guess. Of course, this is its first year. Maybe it might be a little. Is it? It's not like Mother matty? of Time. Pardon? Does it form a mat? Yes. Kind of? Not a mat, mat. No, it's it's a mound. It's like Ooh. a three or four inch tall mound, I would say. But I am stunned by its beautiful. Persian carpet collection of colors. There's gold. There's coral. There's. Um, I'm going to make you take a picture of this. I did. Oh, can you and put it? There's the up too? and deep underneath it. The the outer leaves. I hope it isn't just leaves that are going <laughs> to bite well, the bl- so. bite the dust or what. But it's gorgeous. I want you know several more of these plants to make. It's on. A, I planted it on a mound. And I want the whole mound in this now because it's but it, it's a beautiful time in the summer, but this winter color is just very enjoyable. I think you may have to propagate it because you don't even I know what, what it is. I know. Well, I I'm, I think I know where I bought it, but I'll have to wait until it is it dresses itself in its summer color again. Well, you know, and which might be May. It might turn back to its you know summer green in May. And, and I think I know where I purchased it, so I could go back and eyeball it. But that's the trouble with, you know, things like time. There's a jillion different times 
and so few people sell labeled, you know, of the different. Unless you go to like an herb place. High Country Gardens, I noticed, did, you know, labels because they they do a lot of thyme. They promote the use of thyme lawn, thyme mm-hmm. thyme lawns. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're called? Yeah. And Gilberti's, they they sell mail order and they have lots of thymes. Who right? was it you said? Uh, down near Hackettstown, Gilberti's. Oh. Isn't that their name? No. What's it's um, oh, it's uh, that's, Gilberti is another one. Um, it's in Washington, New Jersey, which is just outside of Hackettstown, and it's a famous herb garden, and they do mail order, and I'm going to think of the name any minute. Me too. It's not Willow. Uh, oh, this is embarrassing. It'll come to us. We'll tell you when we remember. Any minute. <laughs> oh, the cold has a sluggish... The brain cells are not firing very well. I, I want to actually say the names of a couple of those twiggy plants so that people who are interested in acquiring some mm-hmm. but, but salix is willow and alba is white and the weeping willow actually is salix alba it's a form of salix alba but these are ones that are grown for their winter color of new twigs and you cut them back every year or every other year and I think the most fantastic one is Brutsensis, which is orangey red, fiery, incredible. And there's a yellow one, and there's a more red one. It's okay. And the, uh, there's one called Salix irata, which is the one that has the black catkins. But in the winter, it has a white bloom on black stems that makes it look silver. So there. Well, that sounds gorgeous. And then if you're uh, if you want a challenge, <laughs> there are the ghost brambles. Have you ever seen those, Vicky? I don't think so. They're rubuses, which are raspberries, and they have terrible thorns, and they are really treacherous. But they do have silver, silver canes, which is why they're called oh. ghost brambles. Oh yes, I've seen those. And there's one. How that, tall can they get? Well, it depends. It's I tall. Was, I was going to say five feet. Oh, that's five tall feet enough. tall and well, well if you have but it 12, the canes are 12 feet long I was going to say if you have it 12 or 15 feet wide maybe that would be a nice deer barrier uh, well, on the right property the, right, the right but property. you know how deer are they eat roses and stuff if it's really really wide they'll go to your neighbors instead of your property okay ghost bramble <laughs> it is <laughs> I don't that's know. a thought that, every time I think about it though you know, I go in there and try to prune and I end up covered in blood well, that's a thing. Lovely Don't you have thought. to have it in a place where it can just do its own thing? Yes, you have to wear Kevlar shorts and <laughs> wrap yourself up in some armor. We'll be right back. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt with Vicki Johnson, The Garden Podcast. This year promises to be the most exciting ever. Wayside Gardens offers all the best new introductions and returning favourites for American gardens. Whether you are looking for a distinctly different conifer, a native plant, or entirely new combinations for sun or shade, you will find inspiration and an unsurpassed selection in our catalogues. Our renowned Wayside Gardens guarantee backs every plant we offer and horticultural assistance is available throughout the life of your plants. Bring new species and varieties from wayside into your garden 
and begin a legacy of long-lasting landscape beauty. Visit waysidegardens.com to see the most unusual, useful and beautiful plants for your garden. Hello, it's Ken Drews, and you are listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, the garden podcast with Vicki Johnson. And we're testing our, our brains today. We are... <laughs> we're two I, little popsicles sitting here. I think we have to soak our heads in hot water because things are coming so slowly. I, actually, one of the reasons I was talking about those willows, I was challenging myself to remember their names. But, okay, now what is the name of that herb farm in Washington, oh, New Jersey? Well Sweep Herb Farm. Well, sweet. And it's and it, they have a lovely collection of things. And you're right. I bet they would know which time this is. Well, they, the people can buy times too. Mm, yep. But it's oh, a little early you too. know what? We yeah, need to I, tell people is if you would like to write us an email, we would love to receive your email. You can do so at kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com. And if you go to kendrews.com or realdirtradio.com. You can sign up for Ken's free newsletter, free e-newsletter, and you can receive the newsletter that he referenced to that's going to give you a sneak preview into his next book, which will be coming out in the autumn of 2008. And we're talking about nurseries, and we're talking about plants and what they look like, and if you want to see what that time looks like, I'm telling Vicki this now, (laughs) Vicki's going to be posting a picture (laughs) of that time on the blog, right, which is in the, and the and the address is www.realdirtradio.com. That's easy, realdirtradio.com. Yep. And if you can spell my name, you'll find me. Just Google me, man. Google me. Google, Google him. Google K e n d r u s e. Ken Drews, real dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of cold. Oh yeah. I was noticing outside that the earth is moving. Oh, my goodness. I have not seen such frost heaving in a long time. The ground must have been very, very moist. <laughs> well, it was warm. It was, it was like, cold. So, there was icicles like two inches tall jutting up or, out. Now, I, we, I don't know what those really are. Well, it's... They're not really icicles. Ice crystals. Oh, I, they're like uh, stalagmites, right? That's the ones that go up. I believe so. And they and they do. They're two, three inches high, and they're they're not exactly cylindrical. They're kind of uh, all lined up they're a little like bit, shafts, little thicker than pencils, mm-hmm. and they they come right up out of the ground, and then when it warms up, they go down again. And the wonderful thing about that is that it's stirring up and naturally cultivating the ground. It's like a like nature's rototiller. Yes, I just made that up. <laughs> but you know what? For wonderful annuals that like to be self-sown, that prefer, that need to be self, uh, you know, hand-sown rather than started indoors, things like larkspur, cosmos, I think, well, you see people selling cosmos, but why buy a cosmos when you can just go out there and scatter seed? Poppies. Bread seed poppies. Yeah. Bread seed poppies. This, you know, it's terrific time when you have frost heaves to go out there and scatter those seeds because... Then they just work themselves back into that soil. I shouldn't say bread seed, really, after writing this book. Oh, okay. I mean, just because, you know, bread seed is... Bread seed poppies 
that phrase is the way people are getting around saying the word opium. And I've written a lot about opium poppies in the next book. Well, I've written a lot about a lot of things, but opium poppies are, it's such an interesting story, not just because of the part we know uh, that comes from poppies, but because of the wars that were fought over opium poppies and things like that. Yeah. And those are the kinds of things that we, that I've written about in the next book. Uh, actually, you had a wonderful way of describing it, Vicki. Tell me the, the stories. Do you remember what you said? No. For the, well, the title oh, of the book the is going to be Plant Thropology. Plant Thropology. Uh-huh. And it's like anthropology with a PL on the front. Right. And can you remember your definition? You can say no. No. Okay. Because I know anthropology is like the stories of humans and where they are and how they got there. And oh, you mean the definition I stole from the dictionary? That I extrapolated from yeah. the dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it verbatim, <laughs> you could, but it, yeah, it was very good. Thank you, American Heritage Dictionary. <laughs> well, you had, a, you had a thing about the, it's good the way you sort of applied it to plants, the, so, well, the yeah, social history. It fits perfectly. It's the social, cultural, you know, history of these plants. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, you, you created the word planthropology, and I love it. I think it's absolutely perfect. Well, we just hope that people can say it and that people can remember it. Just think anthropology with a PL on the front, planthropology. Right, the anthropology of plants. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, except that anthropology has to do with humans, the word. That's why it's it's like not perfect in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, pology well, would be the study of plants if it was like pology. But, but planthropology, planthropology, that, eh, I think that's very clear. Okay. I don't think people are going to be confused. Well, you you wanted me to talk about a story from the book. Yeah. Wet people's appetite for this fabulous new book. And I now I wonder how big a story I should tell. <laughs> how big and round and gigantic a story, because we have a picture that we're going to put in the e newsletter of the plant that I will end up telling you about. But I might start way back a little bit. It's something I I talked a little bit about on the podcast once before, which was, hmm, maybe I'll start with the Tiffany show at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Okay. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I could guess, but oh. keep going. Well, in the, the there was a wonderful show on um, Lewis Comfort Tiffany's house on Long Island, which burned down mostly, and some, a lot of the stuff was salvaged. And most of it is in a, a museum in Winter Park, Florida, the Morse Museum. If anybody is going down to Florida, it's near Orlando, I think. So a lot of people are. If you're not, you know, take the day off from Disney and, and <laughs> visit Orlando. And well, and there's also the Bach Garden is down there, too. There's a lot to do besides go to Disney. But the Morse Museum has a lot of the salvaged items from from Tiffany's home on Long Island. Uh, which was Laurelton Hall. And there's a window there uh, that was in the home and and was in the show and is in the museum. And the window is called Wisteria and Snowballs. (laughs) And it's not a viburnum. Oh, no. Yes, it is. Oh, it is a viburnum. 
but everybody thinks it's a hydrangea. Well, that's a that's a big problem with common names. How many people do you know who call hydrangeas snowballs? Nobody. Well, not too many. I think parts of the country probably people do. Oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, in the description of this piece of art, this artwork in the museum show, it said it was hydrangeas with wisteria. And they're big, white, fluffy, snowball-y things. And we do know that hydrangeas were among Tiffany's favorites. But what the people who wrote this description of the of the window didn't really think about, I imagine, is they probably thought it was artistic license that Tiffany had made a, a window with hydrangeas as tall as wisteria and blooming at the same time. Oh, well, there's the clue of what the plant really is. And it doesn't really look like it anyway. They also don't know that at that time there was a very popular plant that's not so popular anymore. Actually, it's not popular at all. And it was Viburnum macrocephalum, which is the Chinese snowball Viburnum. And it has hydrangea-like, I can say that, all sterile balls, bigger than soft, bigger than grapefruits. Oh, that is hydrangea size. Yeah. And they're floppy. Uh, they, they're a little floppy on a very tall shrub that has gone completely out of favor. But that's what's in that, pic, in that window, I think. Are Chinese snowballs, and I'm starting there <laughs> with uh -huh. the Chinese snowball because now I'm going to go over to well, we could say the American snowball bush, which is the also the American cranberry bush, which is a viburnum too. That's viburnum americanum, and there's also a European version of that, which is viburnum opulus. And in the case of viburnum opulus, it's called viburnum opulus sterile. And that's a tall, pom-pommy, greeny-white, small snowballs, smaller than hardballs, like tennis ball size flowers. But some of the most beautiful ones and the ones that have really replaced the Chinese ones are the Japanese ones. Am I, have I lost you yet? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm following you. I'm listening very attentively because I want to plant one of these. So I have, yeah. I'm listening to which one I want. it is I want to plant. So. I hope I get this completely right. Uh, I know that the viburnum placatum, uh, the, the viburnum placatum that most people know are single-flowered, and they they have tiered branches almost like a pagoda, you know, mm -hmm. with a single flower, like a dogwood almost. Yes. And when we come back from our break, I'll tell you more about it. But I'm going to tell you about the Japanese snowball bush, and I'm going to tell you about three different ones and what I discovered. So stay with us. We'll be right back. We're talking about Planthropology right here on Kendrew's Real Dirt, the garden podcast with Vicki Johnson. Stay warm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. decades, Wayside Gardens Nursery has been known for their stellar customer service. If ever there was a problem with a plant, we cheerfully replaced it, refunded your money or issued a credit. We now have a new goal, to give our customer service staff less to do. We're working hard to make sure plants from us are the best looking, healthiest and hardiest specimens you can buy. We might be producing some lonely customer service employees, but look at it this way. They'll have more time to play in their gardens. 
Visit waysidegardens.com to see our great plants and order a catalogue. Hello and thank you for sticking with us. It's Ken Drews and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, the garden podcast. Even though it's January and even though it's cold, but I guess in my mind I'm shopping. (laughs) And we were talking about the story of where I'm headed here. (laughs) But uh, I'm I'm rattling off all these plants and I I hope someone's interested in following it. You're telling me they are. Sure. Because where where I kind of left off was talking about the viburnum opulus sterile, and uh, which is the Giant double snowball. form. No, no, I'm, I was past that. I was going back oh. to that one. Okay, then we'll start. I'll go. I'll, I'll review. We've got the Chinese snowball, which is viburnum macrocephalum, which was oh, in, that's right, which was in Tiffany's window, and then we have. The, an American one, we also have a European snowball, which is Viburnum opulus, and that's also has cranberry fruits. But there are sterile versions of that, which have all sterile flowers, and they look like they're the size of tennis balls, and they're usually pretty green, and then they turn kind of white. And it's very attractive. It's kind of a loose, tall shrub, and one that's uh, the European snowball that's kind of the, probably the most popular one is one called Viburnum opulus. Roseum, R-O-S-E-U-M. And then we go over to the Japanese snowballs. And I don't know the one that you that that our friend Susan has. How tall is that thing? Oh, seven or eight feet. Is it? Are the flowers like right next to each other? You can hardly see the foliage, or are they kind of like loose a little bit, like uh, pom poms? In between, actually. I mean, well, they're pretty tight. It's pretty covered. Hmm. It's a shrub pretty much covered in snowballs when they're in flower. Well, that could be the Japanese one, which is one of the Viburnum placatum cultivars. And we were ta- we started to talk about that, and also I had to bring up Viburnum placatum variety, variety tomentosum because that's the double-file Viburnum that kind of looks like a dogwood, shrubby tree, it grows in tiers, and the tops of the branches are covered with single flowers all the way down the branches. Very similar to the, the lace, what do you call it, lace hydrangea, right? Isn't no, they're a, all the way down the branch. Right. They're not in a head at all. Correct, right. I see what you mean. Do you, cause, well, lace, it's sort of like they have that, anyway. Well, they're big. Sometimes they're bigger than silver dollars. The petals, their bracts. Or right. They mm-hmm. can be huge. They're very big. And uh, a very popular one that's um, semi-dwarf is Shasta. And probably the old standby is Mauricii. That's been around forever, which has ray flowers up to one and three-quarter inches in diameter. And they are on little stems that run all the way, little, you know, Bracked floral stems on top of the branches, like two inches high. They're held above the branches, and they line all the way down these tiered branches. Fabulous. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Japanese snowball, which is the sterile forms, and they have snowball flowers. And let's see. I'm trying to think of one variety that would be most common for people to see. I guess uh, 
I'm looking in Dur now. Chevroton, C-H-Y-V-E-R-T-O-N. I don't even know what that is. But there aren't that many. Oh, I guess it's Grandiflorum muscular. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think it's the snowball viburnum that everybody had at one point. Uh, still does. This is the one that's replaced the, the old big one. Oh, okay. So this is the one that you call snowball now. There's just several cultivars, and I'm trying to think of one that might be the one that people buy, but usually, frankly, they're not even labeled. Right. They're just called snowball viburnums. Right. Now, now picture that white little snowball, and now picture a warm, gorgeous, pink version of it. And I have two plants. One is called rosace, and one is called Kern's Pink. And these have, how would you describe that color? It's almost like birthday cake icing pink. Oh, I was going to say cotton candy pink. It's a, it's real, they're very rich pink, but it's a warm pink. It's a gorgeous color. And these plants bloom beginning in May, and it lasts at least a month, even in warm weather. The foliage is a beautiful, bronzy purple. But as the flowers start to open, the foliage goes green, which I always think is so rude. <laughs> but it does. And in Michael Durr's book, which I pulled out to talk about this, he, and I've known this, he doesn't think that there's any difference between Kern's Pink and Rosace. And a third one, which, uh, now I'm trying to remember the name of the third one. It's not Pink Dawn. Okay, then we'll have to look in the book now. Pink Sensation. I didn't get to it, the book open yet. Pink Sensation, Kern's Pink, and Rosace. Now, I don't know what Pink Sensation looks like, but I know that Kern's Pink and Rosace are different, or at least those the two plants that I have are, because one's upright, and the flowers are all pink, and then they fade to white, and they do it almost at the same time. But the one that I believe is Kern's Pink is a lower, wider spreading plant, and the pink and white ones appear at the same time. I mean, so they don't turn white at the same time. It's pink and white flowers at the same time. The little balls are different colors. Have I made myself clear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen that growing in your garden, and I've coveted that plant, those plants, I should say, for several years now. There must be they? something about them. They must be hard to propagate or something because this plant, I would think everybody would want this plant. They would. It, they're beautiful. They're, it's a clear, soft, wonderful pink color. It's not like lipstick pink or, you know. It's perfect. Pink. It's a perfect <laughs> pink. <laughs> yeah. i got to get my hands on Pink Sensation. Where, uh, how I find it, I have no idea. You know, actually, there's no pink sensation in this book. Maybe it's Pink Dawn. Hmm, I'm going to look into this. Because <laughs> Durr thinks that there's no such, that they're all the same with different names, but they're not. At least these two are not. So uh, on in the newsletter, in the newsletter, which is much clearer than what I'm saying, because uh, I'm just telling you too much, that we have a picture of Kern's Pink. And you'll see the white and pink snowballs on the plant, but a little bit of the bronze still showing in the foliage as it turns green. And I could just eat this plant with a spoon. <laughs> and they were so tiny. I remember when I got them from a, a specialty nursery that's not even in business anymore, and they had like three leaves. 
But sure enough, just like everything else, you know, just a scant 12 up. years. <laughs> scant 12 years. Well, I've been enjoying it for five or six years at yeah, least. Yeah, teasing. The show started certainly after about four years, and now after ten years, they're they're big. They're tall. They're and pretty. Be- they're beautiful. This is really I'm in love with these plants. Of course, you know when I turn my head and say, "Oh, that's my favorite uh, herbaceous perennial." Oh, that's my favorite hosta. Oh, that's my favorite grass. Oh, that's my least favorite weed. Well, I have a question for you, mm-hmm. and you might turn around and frown at me, scowl at me for asking you this on air, quote unquote. But what's the subtitle of this new book? Oh, oh, you mean did it, did I change it? Uh-huh. Yes, I did. Oh, good for you! I'm proud of it. And everybody thought it was a good idea. Good, I'm glad. So, what is it? <laughs> the myths, miracles, and mysteries of some of my favorite plants. And it's true because you. One of the reasons you are going to want this book is because these are about plants that Ken has in his well, garden. Most of them. Most of them. Well, yeah, the majority of this, majority of the plants that Ken talks about, writes about in this book, are plants he has grown here in his garden. So, because that's the most visited part of your website is the pictures that you have on there that are taken in your own garden. And of course, everybody would, I'm sure, pay lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> to take a tour of your garden. Oh, there's a thought. So, yeah, for the price of a gorgeous one. book that you can return to again and again. Um, and actually, you can start your letter to Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> what, 11 months early, 10 yeah, months Dear early. Santa Claus, I want this, and I need three for my friends. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, I've had the privilege of working with Ken as he's put this book together, and it's going to be fabulous. You're going to love it. I can't believe I agree with you, but I do. Because yes. it, w- it was touch and go there right till the end. <laughs> and we just lost a couple of, we, we lost 31 pages. But it, it, that was kind of a funny story because we didn't even know there were 31 pages. That it, It's back black and white stuff. And we'll all live without it and we won't even miss it. Well, Too bad I had to write it, though. Oh, uh, well, yes. Oh, mercy. I know, mercy is right. Well, they, in the design, they just laid out one page of it. So for some reason, I actually thought it was one page. And then when I went back and looked at it, it was A through A. So wow. It wasn't one. It, there were actually 31 pages, but they're gone. It's from a 32-page signature. Now, when we come back, should I tell people what that is? Okay. Yeah. What this was is there? Well, I'll tell you that, but I'm going to tell you the, what a signature is, too, because we have to break. But we'll be right back. And um, if you have questions about the Viburnum, take a look at the newsletter, because it's all about it. It's Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the Garden Podcast with Vicki Johnson. And I seem to have some a cotton ball in my throat. We'll be right back. Wayside Gardens Nursery is the source for the latest, greatest plants for your garden. Visit waysidegardens.com and order your free catalog. It's Ken Drews and Vicki Johnson. You heard Vicki there. And you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt. Ken Drews Real Dirt, the garden podcast. And if you would like to write a letter to ask Ken a question or me or to say nice things about stuff you hear on the show 
or to give suggestions of things you would like to hear on the show, you can do so at kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com. That's K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E-R-E-A-L-D-I-R-T. No dots, no dashes, no underscores, no spaces. kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com. And if you'd like to see the picture Uh-oh. of that Viburnum. Yeah, you're going to give them so many different addresses. It's that's okay. People are smarter than we are today. They'll remember. <laughs> and they might be home, you know, listening on their computer, and they'll just write it down. You can go to realdirtradio.com, and there's a link right there. Over on the right-hand side of the page, there's a big box that says, Get your sneak peek of Ken's new book. Next wow. book. Sneak preview, I think I said. So you click on that, and you'll go see the article and the picture of this pink viburnum. Well, I was thinking we should probably warn people to have pencils poised whenever they listen to our show, but judging by our emails, they do. <laughs> yes. I'm scribbling so fast. <laughs> Somebody wrote us that, right? I right. love your show. But see, that's the cool thing I love about podcasts is you can hit pause and rewind and listen again. We're live radio. Well, we say rewind, but you just like you know you just drag that little thing back a tiny bit. Well, it's kind of like rewind. Right, but it's easier. Yeah. You could hear me say, "Welcome, welcome, 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome." Okay, welcome. stop. Over and stop. over and over. Oh. Stop. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Forward. Do you remember the last thing I said before the break? The last thing you said? No, I, no, I do. Uh, I said that one signature got cut from the book, and I just thought I might as well say what that is. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Tell us what's if, not going to be in the book. Well, now I was going to tell people what a signature was. Oh, okay. If you look at the spine of a book on end, you will notice that a book is made up of sections of paper sewn together, and then they're glued into the binding and the average length of a signature, which is the section of a book that's glued to, that's sewn together, is 32 pages. 16 pieces of paper, I guess. Or is that what it is, or is it eight pieces of mm-hmm. paper? Folded in half, actually eight. Eight, right. So the, the 32 page is a normal signature. You can have part signatures, etc. So sometimes when people get books and there's like three blank pa- pages in the back and it says notes and they think, oh, how thoughtful. That's so nice of somebody to leave space for us to write notes. Not that everyone would ever write in a precious book, but they think that's a nice thing. But actually what it means is they ran out of something to say mm-hmm. and they had uh, three empty pages and a signature because books are made in these multiples of eight and mm-hmm. usually in multiples of 32. So that's a signature. Now, do you think I should really tell people what that part is that got cut? Sure. I want to know. Well, the publisher, in an effort to make the book as servicey, as how-to as possible, uh, requested (laughs) at gunpoint that I write down sources, places to find plants. So I wrote a very big list, and maybe we'll post some of this. To. We should do that. We yes, we it. should because that is a valuable That's thing better, to have in a book. Because it, it, and these we are can some update my, it. Yeah. Well, these are some of my favorite sources, and I said that I didn't think it was important because I mean it's a nice thing, but books. My books are around for eight years and twelve years, and nursery Miller nurseries are not. Right. For instance, the place where you be. got where you procured this pink snowball viburnum. Right. It right. no longer exists. So if it were in the book and people. Yeah, that is frustrating to discover. It's that. funny that you should say that because I just saw it listed in a magazine as a source. 
Oh, well, been out of business yeah. forever. They didn't double check their facts. Yeah, I'll say. Well, we should do that. <laughs> we should. You should send me that, and I should put it on. Well, it's 31 pages long. I will send it to you, but we can well, do... Well, it can be a PDF that people could download. Oh, you want to do it that way? I was going to say we could do A one day and B the next week. <laughs> but I think maybe you're right. That would be nicer. That's a good idea. Will you remind me? Yeah. Okay, so we'll put that online. So it's some of my some of my favorite sources, not even all of them, places to buy plants that I love and places that I've... And there is every place that I've listed I've actually ordered from, which is pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, that could be overwhelming <laughs> to look at that and realize how... Oh, let's not talk about total money spent. No, no, no. Oh, and not to mention plants that are dead. Oh, I know. We... We know this is part of gardening, but it's still no fun. No, it is not fun to reflect on the plants we've killed. But I've never lost a plant without learning something, and I really—that is really true. Yes. Even if, Even if it is that droughts are terrible. Yeah, or that floods—that plants don't like floods, or yeah. that uh, if you cover a plant with two feet of sand, it might not make it. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. What can I do about that? Nothing. I didn't say. I didn't say I've never killed a plant without learning something. I said I've never lost a plant to death <laughs> without learning something. Because it's not always my fault. Yeah, I didn't tell you this, but you know what? You know those betula lentils, those sweet birch that I planted? Yes. Oh, that went through the floods and I replanted them? Yes. A deer rutted one of them. And I, I saw there was this, it's at least six feet long. Um, but I thought it was broken off at the ground, and I was looking for the stump, but then I realized that it was it's about two feet high, so it's probably going to sprout, because they do sprout. But the bark's all scraped off the bottom, and it scraped so hard that it snapped it. Oh. Oh. Boy, I've been through so, so when much are you with those. when are you putting up the new fence? March. Good. It's all ordered. And how deep are these fence posts going to go to withstand the floods? They're going to be in concrete. They're going to be real. Good. Three feet. Good. I know, I know. And they're going to have metal posts and not those wood ones that warp. Well, especially given, you know, the propensity for your that part of the, you know, great portions of the garden being underwater for a day or two annually. You know what would be good in a cold night like this? Pea soup. Oh, you're right. Actually, you know what? I've procured a couple of wonderful recipes for pea soup that are you uh, that are made using fresh petit peas. Pois. Yeah, petit pois. And, and I never With buy champagne. Fresh I know you don't anymore. use I've, champagne. Huh? I know you don't use alcohol, but champagne and fresh pea soup. Ooh. That's a classic. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I love soups made... I love split pea soup, but that's not what I'm talking about this time. I'm mm-hmm. talking about soups made with frozen peas that... And I buy the baby peas, the small... I forget what each, you know, store brand calls them. But uh, here in the Nor- here in New Jersey, I love Acme brand. Oh, my. <laughs> Petit pois. Small, baby small... Baby peas, I think they call them. I, I don't like ShopRite brand, sorry. <laughs> well, but what, what if you grew them yourself? Pardon? Oh, yeah, and if you grow them yourself, you can make a fabulous... I know, I know where you're leading me. Um, if you grow them yourself, 
all the better. However, mm-hmm. Ken brought all of this up. <laughs> well, just to help. <laughs> to prime yeah. me to remember, to remind you that you could win a gift certificate, a $25 gift certificate from Park Seed. Um, if you love to cook from things that you grow in your garden, just go to realdirtradio.com. There's a link there where you can learn about all how you can win um, and read all the rules and when you have to submit your recipe to Park Seed. And we have a link, I think. Or Absolutely. We... Go to realdirtradio.com, and I have a link there for how you can learn about the contest. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this week, and we'll be here next week. We're here every week. It's Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the Garden Podcast, with Vicki Johnson. And with all things gardening and too much plants, and stay warm and enjoy your pea soup and send in your recipe. And if you want to know what the heck I was talking about, check out that blog. Oh, news, e-newsletter, right? Yep. E-newsletter is all about that pink, one of those pink viburnums. We'll see you next week. <laughs>